The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. It is 8 minutes after 8 p.m. It's a Monday. You're listening to The Viewpoint. My name is Oliver Dixon. <clears throat> And I'm standing in this evening for Songezo Mapeka, who's not feeling too well. Um, called me earlier, said he had a stomach bug of sorts. Uh, so all the best to him and hopefully he has a speedy recovery, feeling better tomorrow and fresh back with you here today. But I'm standing in with you today, uh, myself, Liseho and Amandla. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. First off, we're going to start in the first hour with a conversation around the funding model around NGOs in South Africa. NGOs play a critical role beyond just being pressure groups. Um, they're an extension of what it means to be an inclusive country. In many ways and in many forms, NGOs are an extension of what government is meant to do, right? Many people have started NGOs that focus on, um, you know, f- getting food to underprivileged communities, uh, getting healthcare to underprivileged communities, uh, helping people um, with access to many different things, such as access to education, access to social care. Um, in fact, many NGOs do life-saving things, such as Gift of the Givers, right? They're doing life-saving things. There are NGOs that focus on, for instance, making sure that little girls who are in school get sanitary pads um, and are not missing school days as a result of a natural menstrual cycle. There are so many NGOs doing so many different things. And on this show, we often profile them and we tell you about the great things NGOs are doing. But what we seldomly discuss and what has been a common threat on this feature throughout is under-resourced NGOs, people who already have very little going the extra mile to help other people. Yet, help doesn't come along the way. Oftentimes, it, 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 it happens once or twice, but it really is people who are deeply passionate and whose lives depend on the very thing that they seek to make better. So we're going to be discussing funding for NGOs in South Africa. What has your experience been like? Perhaps you work for an NGO. By the way, many NGOs are, are very well funded. There's a skew in who gets the funding and who doesn't. V- many NGOs in this country have sophisticated funding models um, that are almost akin to for-profit business models, right? Uh, those typically are called NPOs, but exist in the social development space as well. What is it that they're doing right? And how can we make sure that that model trickles down where there is equitable dividend for NGOs across the board, especially NGOs doing life-saving things? That's the discussion we're having this evening, opening up the show. A little bit later on, we're going to be speaking about innovation. Um, And the ICT Summit is back after two years of interruptions as a result of COVID. This year's theme will focus on advertising infrastructure of government to make sure that services are being delivered and things are being improved. Government advertising spend is massive in this country. Massive, massive, massive. So this is an apt Uh, theme to focus on and then in the second hour because it's a monday it's health on monday we're going to be talking about inclusive education for students with disabilities 
especially in our higher education institutions, oftentimes, and, and, and you know, my first time learning about this was at was in university when I got to VITS. The first time I saw an institution with so many ramps, for instance, where I saw the traffic light on campus making a certain sound. And that, and for months I wondered what the sound was about. And then one day I actually saw a visually impaired person cross the road. Uh, and I was like, oh, that that's what that sound is for. That's the first time I learned about what... Um, you know, uh, infrastructure looks like to create an institution that is inclusive, uh, both in its infrastructure, but also in its culture. We're going to be speaking about that a little bit later on. Ashley Subaya, who's uh, with the uh, UKZN Disability Office, will be joining us for that conversation. All of that and more coming up on the show. Of course, you can be a part of it. Just shoot us a call on 86 0002032 I'm also taking your WhatsApps on 0614104107. Tweet me at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter, Oliver Dixon on Facebook. This is The Viewpoint. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Joining us to speak about funding within the NGO space in South Africa is Tolana Tobelo, who is with Tobelo, who is the founder of Tokelo Foundation, uh, focusing on cerebral palsy uh, awareness, as well as Ashley Peter, who's the chairman of Umgeni Steam Railway, which is a heritage NGO. These are two different NGOs, one operating in the health space, one operating in the heritage space, both serving a crucial social function. One that is almost always thankless. We don't say thank you enough to NGOs. And when we do say thank you, we, we don't put our money where our mouth is. We don't donate. We don't fund. We don't promote. There's a lot we don't do. But what is it? that is the stumbling block when it comes to funding for NGOs. And I'm hoping Tolana and Ashley, Ashley can shed light on their experiences uh, this evening with us. Let's start with Tolana. Tolana, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really do appreciate it. Perhaps let's start out by talking about what the Tokela Foundation for Cerebral Palsy does. Uh, good evening, Ashley and the listeners. Uh, Tokela Foundation was started... Uh, from a premise where our son together has got cerebral palsy, was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. He's now 10 years. So we felt that because of we found ourselves wanting and people staring and not knowing about the condition, so we felt that there's a need for us as a parent-led organization to start the foundation to raise awareness about cerebral palsy, which affects movement, which is a, it's a brain condition, a physical condition that affects movement, and it affects people in a different way. So our son is actually tra- is, is quadriplegic. He's non-mobile, non-verbal. He's still on nappies, and uh, he's ten. He's ten years. So us in starting this foundation, we felt that we need to make a difference within our communities because of I'm coming from a, a family, a big family, and my wife is the only child. So being that is me, and we needed to also educate our own about this condition, which is, it also started with us educating ourselves and which is um, collaborating with different NGOs which are in the space, like the likes of Malamulele on what, which are a, 
they are therapists and they know best. They they know better than we do. So we found ourselves that we wanted to make a difference within our communities, but also we donate the work that we do. We also do donate wheelchairs that are refurbished. That we find them, we ask, we knock on doors and ask for them. And in raising awareness, we would have your promotional items like your T-shirts, your sweaters, mm. the, the sock in a box, which is on the sock in a box. It's a box of socks, which has a message behind it, and a stick on, on the box, which is, it tells you about what cerebral palsy is, the types of cerebral palsy, the effects of cerebral palsy, which it brings me to another point where which. It's about the funding because of we're trying to, in order for us to sustain ourselves in raising that awareness, by selling those things, we are able to, to, to generate income for the foundation to be able to get to other projects that we want to do. So that's how uh, the Together Foundation was established. And from your experience, it sounds like you, uh, it was your work has been collaborative thus far with other NGOs and other organizations doing similar things or where there seems to be synergy. Um, mm-hmm. What what has been the toughest part about um, steering such an NGO? Um, you and your wife doing amazing work there, but I, I don't assume it's been easy. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been an easy journey. Um, we were fortunate that uh, we felt that our model was will be based on us collaborating because of in order for us to, to be able to get the right funding for the things that we do need. So we were fortunate enough that uh, you get your companies like your Boy of Universe, which, in the, uh, which have got the Pride Foundation, which help us in sourcing the funding and giving us the funding for us to run our project. And also from that, we would uh, 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 collaborate with other NGOs like your Se Maribita, Ramabita NGO, which is based in Umfolo Soweto, which teaches children after school and uh, help children doing their homework and all of those things. So whatever that we get from the funding, mm. from, 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 from what we've collected and sold, some of the, the, the proceeds, they go to Sarah Mabita uh, to be able to help those kids to buy them food while they're studying there and doing those homeworks. And at the same time, there's also another NGO within that same space, which is the Terimuso uh, Farm Hub, which mm. grows, grows, uh, grows uh, uh, like spinach, veggies and all. Mm. So it has been a difficult because of usually we 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 sit and have these conversations as to how are we going to be able to get like for 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 ceremonies of how are we going to get it? the the siblings for ceremonies mm. how are we going to get the food for these kids and also be able to give some of the parents and staff members a bit of a stipend so that to encourage them it's not like a salary mm. it's a stipend mm. that you giving the people to say to encourage them because some of them they would take taxis, they would walk. And with that, as, as a community, because of this, uh, NGOs and NPOs, they play a very important role in our communities. Mm. Because of the whole point of us having that is to mitigate the challenges and the social ills that are there by having, these, uh, uh, by having an organizations that are able to address those and talk to those, those, those challenges. But it's very important that one has to have funding because you need to a uh, call, you need to go to to to, to source uh, uh, stuff. You need to be able to 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 have uh, like it's going on. Like you've got your overheads on a daily basis. So if you don't have funding, it becomes very very difficult. And it can some uh, I've seen some people within these spaces even uh, being discouraged and not going forward with their 
with the, 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 work that they, the good work that they want to do. Although the whole point of us having these type of organizations is to make a difference within our communities and yeah. also to empower them. Yeah. So yeah. those are the challenges that we do find ourselves with them. Yeah. Ashley, I want to bring you in here. What does the Umgeni Steam Railway NGO do? Hi there, Oliver, and uh, good evening to Lani and the uh, SAFM listeners. Umgeni Steam Railway is a uh, railway preservation group. We, we're uh, basically a heritage operator in the railway field where we're trying to... Um, to keep some sort of the history of, of, of railways in this country alive, um, considering that railways were responsible for, um, largely responsible for the, the development and the civilization of, of the country. Um, railways started in the country in Durban in 1860. Um, and we're based in KZN. Um, we're trying to save some of this priceless heritage as we feel it's uh, it is the, the, the railways that um, really got the economy of this country going back in the day yeah, yeah. and for many years have kept it going. And um, we, we're trying to keep some of that alive by, by running real genuine steam trains on a railway line that was built 140 years ago. But uh, it's it's a major challenge. Um it's, it costs big money to keep an operation like that going. We have no external funding. Our only income comes from operating trains and, and charging passengers uh, that fare, ticket fare, to travel on, on the train. So that's our only income. And, uh, yes, we've certainly been through some torrid times of late, um, yeah. although we've been around for 40 years. The last two years have probably been the hardest in our in our history. You know, first of all, we had the whole COVID lockdown story where we couldn't operate trains and generate any income for 10 months. And since then, you'll know KZN was virtually taken out by these massive floods. And we were certainly not, um, uh, you know, saved from that situation. We've had major damage to the, to the railway line that we operate these trains on. And uh, yeah, we've, we've had to, basically fund the the repairs which are considerable uh, to this track ourselves because there's nobody else that's prepared to come to the to the party and assist us we have tried numerous avenues to try and raise funds uh, to help get the uh, the line back up and running but we've had to uh, yeah. effectively borrow money from other projects and things like that to yeah. at least get a part of the line up and running again so that we can generate some income and, and, and keep alive. It, it costs an organization like ours, even when we're not operating, like during the lockdown period, about 70,000 rand a month to, to just keep our um, the wolf away from the door, even though we're operated almost entirely by volunteers. Yeah. There's costs and things like, like rental, um, security, uh, water and lights, insurance, all those sort of things that you, you can't uh, avoid even when you're not operating. Nobody says you can't pay, we'll collect money from you when you start generating income again. So it's a, it's been a major um, problem for us to keep our doors open uh, with when, all these challenges that have been facing us. Do you see yourself as running a museum of sorts? Precisely. We're a, we're a, a working or an operational museum. We, we're running 
locomotives and rolling stock that are 80 to 90 years old mm. and uh, in normal passenger operating service. So, yes, anything of that age. And we're, in fact, busy restoring a locomotive now that dates from 1912, which is the same year the Titanic was launched. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, it'll have a better uh, future than the Titanic had. So, yes, we are very much into, into the history and we're a museum and a museum that people can actually physically experience, which is which is a rarity these days. Yeah. Tolano, what are your costs? Uh, what do you need money for on a month-to-month basis uh, in, in your outreach initiatives? Uh, we Basically, what we do need money for, it's mostly our cost comes to about ten to 12,000, depending on the number of scales, because of, look, with what we're doing with the wheelchairs that we're fixing, it depends how bad the wheelchair is damaged, because of it all has to painting, all have to fix with the, the new wheels. You have to fix everything from the scratch. Mm. So it will cost, because of an average, we would do about five to ten wheelchairs. And then uh, we've already donated about ten since we've started this initiative already. Mm. But then it will depend on how severe that is. But just mm. to have that, uh, from a movement perspective, as an organization, you, do, you need about uh, ten, uh, five, ten thousand, and it will depend. It's also cost dependent on how, uh, what uh, events are there at the moment. But the, the costs that are fixed, it's your calling, it's your transport costs, which those are the overheads that, that are standing charges, which will always be there. You mm-hmm. understand? And also, because of uh, our, our stance in terms of being uh, a, collabor- a collaborative um, organization. You would get your Sarah which on a day to day, depending on which month uh, that we are better, we have made some of the money. Then you would give away like a 500 grand to them in order for them to be able to buy bread for these kids. Mm-hmm. And also with these, uh, uh, with the 10 minute ceremony, so we would also be able to give that. Because remember that it's, uh, it goes around, it does it's, it's, it's to go around in full, full circle in order for us to survive. Because mm-hmm. of the, the different organizations we work, as we're working, we try by all means in order for us to ha- to have uh, to have them uh, going on each and every day. The little that the, the Tukela Foundation can be able to help, we do help that. Then um, on some of the instances, you would get that there's certain uh, houses that don't have even food to survive the next day. Mm-hmm. You understand? So I'm coming from the premise because of look, as having cerebral palsy. Having this condition to deal with, you have to have a certain diet to be eaten. Mm. That is why you've got the, 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 I've got those guys from this Tidimusa Farming Hub who deals with vegetables. I've got the guys from Serra which is a sibling of the child that stay that has a cerebral palsy. Ooh, Tolana, we seem to have lost you a little bit there. Are you, are you still with us? Oh, we seem to have lost Tolana there. Actually, let me ask you this: when you when you speak to funders potential funders um it seems like within your line there's there's um typically in the space of museums you know they have a uh heritage funder somebody who's really rich who thinks it's good to name the thing after themselves and so they'll name the museum after themselves to carry on their family legacy or they 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 are they look to the state for funding right the state sometimes funds initiatives like these and oftentimes heritage documenting initi- uh, uh, institutions like museums. What do you say to them? What's the value proposition? Yes, it's, it's really a, a problem. Um, we, we've approached numerous uh, sources um, 
both locally as in the various departments of the Itaquani municipality, for example, um, KZN Tourism, Durban Tourism, uh, for assistance with uh, our challenges that we have currently in, in terms of keeping afloat after these uh, uh, damage from the floods, etc. And and really, we, we don't seem to be... Uh, uh, of the right sort of flavor of the month to 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 uh, get any assistance from any of these uh, these departments, we we don't even have any um, private uh, financiers or funders that are yeah. are coming out of the woodwork to keep us going. So really, we are having to lift ourselves up by our own bootstraps to try and 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 keep uh, keep alive. I mean, just to do you do you, do you ever you ask them, the, Do you ever ask them why they sorry, turn you correct? down? The, the the sort of response we get is that uh, they have well if we get a response in many cases uh, we seem to be knocking on on closed doors but when we do get a response it's, it seems to be that there are much more pressing issues to deal with financially and and some places like the tourism people say they don't have funding to assist they can only assist in kind by by um, marketing, helping us with marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, our our needs currently are a lot more practical than that. We mm. we have a, a track to repair and and uh, operation to keep going, and so uh, yeah, that that doesn't really pay the bills at the end of the day. Mm. And, and just to give an idea of how challenging the situation is, um, probably about ten or fifteen years ago. There would have been a dozen groups, uh, a dozen groups like ours, uh, trying to uh, keep the railway legacy alive in the country uh, with volunteers doing all the work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As we speak today, um, as far as we are aware, we are the only one left still operating in the country as as a volunteer railway preservation group. So it's it's uh, certainly a a major challenge and uh, mm, life yeah. is getting pretty tough. <laughs> mm. What would it cost uh, a passenger to do one of these excursions? Normally, when we could run our full route before the floods, we would run trains between Kloof and Nchanga on the uh, old uh, Natal main line, a 25-kilometer one-way trip, a return of 50Ks. We would charge about 270 rand for a, a, a trip for adults and about 100 and. 90 rand for children and pensioners. Now, since the floods, we are unable to operate over the whole route. Mm. We've spent about 1.2 million rand so far just opening up half of that route, about a 12-kilometer section from Inchonga to Botazil. Mm. And we are now charging 150 rand for adults and uh, 100 rand for children and pensioners. Mm. Um, so we're having to run more trains on more days to try and bring in the same income. And uh, mm. Look, we have to and, and acknowledge you, the public has supported us. Are, you, are your trips fully subscribed? Yes, we are having a very good response so far. Uh, people have been coming out in numbers. So, yes, that has been uh, great for, uh, in terms of allowing us to now keep operating. Mm. Um, but uh, remember, we've got this major backlog now. We've spent over a million rand to get that piece of line open. We've got to refill the coffers and... Uh, pay the bills now that are outstanding because of that. Mm, mm. So yes, we are getting the response from the public. It's helping us to to keep running and, and keep the doors open. But to do the repairs on the remainder of the track, which we estimate could be between three and five million rand, that money, we've got no idea where it's coming from. And uh, we're really open to any suggestions on that side. Yeah. 
Uh, Tolana, I hope I, th- I think we have you back on the line. I hope we can hear you this time around. You said it cost you guys about twelve to f- uh, fourteen thousand rand per month. Where do you and your wife look for funding? Is this money coming out of your pockets? Do you have generous friends and family that you look to, or is there some sort of model that keeps that kind of money coming in? Uh, most of the money does come from our pockets, and we have friends and family that are helping in order for us to be able to achieve our goals. Mm. So, and it, uh, just to take you back, remember I did speak about us having to sell some of the promotional items about what cerebral palsy is that and all of it as to a way of augmenting some of the, the, the funding that we do require. However, it is, it is very difficult because of um, some of the instances and also with what has happened over the past two years of COVID and all of those things, you find that a lot of people that whatever money that they have kept or whatever the companies, whatever money that they've kept, they are trying by all means just to, for them to survive. And for them to donate to the next person, it becomes very, very difficult for them to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's what the, the situation that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. However, um, because of the passion that we do have and the whole pe- the, 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 the vision of us having a foundation, which is to raise the, 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 uh, awareness about the, so you know, the, the condition, and also talk to the world through the foundation, for, uh, uh, talk to the world about the challenges that we do have, having a child that has got cerebral palsy, so that we can make a better world for our child and other children in the world. So we do find ourselves with the very, it's, it's a very heavy exercise because of, look, the child has to go through, some of them they have to go through to, 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 to therapy because of continuous stimulation assists the child to be able to, to, to lead in inverted commas a normal life. Uh, schooling, which is that interaction, assists that child to be able to, uh, to interact with, the ch- with other kids. But that's in a very expensive big schools because of, and some of the schools that you do find in our areas, they are, it's, the waiting list, it takes up to a year or two. And if you do go out of the community, you have to find yourself that you have to pay something like between five to 10,000 rents a month. Yeah. And also talking to the medical bills that do come, uh, which is you have to be able to have a medical aid. And so, so, a, so, yeah. so, so, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When you speak to, have you, who, maybe let me ask this. Who, who do you typically approach for funding institutionally? Have you approached the state? Have you approached uh, private institutions? And what is their typical response to you, uh, Torlan? Um, we have, because of, we have tried approaching some uh, different companies, but we have been so lucky that we of Funerals through the foundation has been able, been able to help us. Uh, we've got uh, a company which is um, about to liquor license holders, which has been able to assist us in most of the instances. However, going through to, to, to uh, institutions like the government and, and all, they would require you to have to be in existence for two to three years to see that the companies are going concern before they would even give you that funding. Mm. You understand? Uh, they have to look that your cycle is running and they look, look at the finding, the, the, the finances. They look that you're paying the taxes. You're doing all the whole, the, the whole tracks. So, uh, so the government, uh, so that's why the, uh, that's why it would take a long time for us to get the funding. But, uh, because of the, poly, the, the, the government, the, the, the company, the, the, so the foundation has been a going concern for for throughout the years. We managed to 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 
to insert a footprint within our peers and the community. Mm. But it is very, very difficult for that because of now. And this is why we want to make sure that we keep going to mm. make sure that but, uh, when funding does come from different sources, we are able, they are able to, we are able to, to, to proceed with whatever that we're doing and, uh, and, and our, our initiatives that we're driving. Yeah, let's take some of your calls on zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Let's speak to Noah out in Port St. John's. Noah, good evening. Hi, Kitlo. I'm Walsa. Go ahead. What's on your mind, Noah? Um, I would like to introduce you guys to our non-profit company here in Port St. John's mm. called Gomulo Records. It has been recently registered three months ago, but it's been in operation for three years. Our mission is to discover and promote talent, preferably from rural areas through music recording and various other community programs. Mm. Now, normally I get, we get support from the local shops from Komolo. Komolo is, uh, it consists of about 11 villages in Port St. John. So normally we used to go to like shops and, and all of that local shops and then explain to them and with the whole idea and the whole concept and then the shops normally support us. Now we've recently registered. My my first the first people I went to was um can I mention the the supermarket's name? Yeah, Big sure. Okay. Uh, we went we went to spa and then we presented to them, we told them about our annual talent competition that consists of school reading competitions and various other things. And they like they, they played it down, they made it like look small. They said, No man, come to us when there's flooding or when there's something serious. You guys cannot expect us to to to, 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 to assist you with anything. We have this load shedding. They complained basically about load shedding. They said mm. they, they even showed me the slips. They said, Look how much we're spending on low shading, you see? Mm. So that that's my experience so far with uh, with the corporate. But what what we need mostly, I think we need security. I think we just because we, we are striving on our own because we're getting a lot of support from the community. So what my main concern is just security for for our things that mm. we 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 will be collecting. Ooh, your, your, your line's cutting there, Noah, but thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, and thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Uh, Ashley, I want to come back to you for a second. Um, what has been the response of the public when you ask them for donations or uh, any financial contributions? Oliver, we, um, we have put out an appeal um, you know, through our various... Uh, uh, societies and membership, etc. We've we've had some. I, I must admit, we've had some positive response, uh, largely from our our members and uh, and possibly some of the public who support us. We we, we did raise about a um, about two hundred and fifty thousand rand uh, in uh, terms of um, of donations towards the cost of repairs. Yeah. But that that unfortunately is is very small compared to the size of the of the elephant we're trying to yes. to eat here. So uh, we really need serious external funding if we're going to get this operation 
back to where it was before the floods and and well particularly the floods never mind the COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretend for a second that uh, the CEO of a major bank is listening to the show right now and they're thinking hey heritage might be something to do with our brand alignment might there might be synergy as far as that concerned uh, what what would your elevator pitch be to them right now well uh, I would say that we're um, obviously very keen to get any sort of uh, of financial assistance and uh, we're definitely open to to suggestions as to how we could form some sort of a mutual uh, beneficial partnership you know uh, i'm sure that there are ways that uh, we could be assisted in terms of uh, getting this operation back to back on its feet properly and uh, yeah the, there could be uh, spin-offs for um, people that are prepared or companies that are prepared yeah. to uh, invest money into the operation. There's there's many ways that these things can uh, um, be made to work. So I'm I'm pretty sure we could uh, uh, we were open to any suggestion of that nature. Ashley, thank you so much for your time this evening. Toluana, thank you so much for your time and uh, to both of you. Continue doing the fantastic work you're doing. Um, it's both crucially crucially important. And I I I, I do hope that we start having a ripple effect conversation around why it is that we're holding back the money we have from funding and I mean institutions here and as well as government from holding back funding in organizations and NGOs that do such incredibly important work. But thank you so much for that. Really, really do appreciate it. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue the show.